I'd like everybody just to kind of stretch their arms out like this. And I want you to, um, I want you to engage your imagination. Okay, the Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. And as you hold your arms out like that, that's not a, it's not a fairy tale. It actually happened. And you were crucified with Christ. So I just want you to take a moment and experience that through the power of your spiritual eyes, through the power of your imagination. And I want you just to visualize your cross. You were in Christ as Christ was crucified. As God was in Christ. Reconciling the whole world to himself. You were in him. You were crucified with Christ. Imagine it. Just be there. Just take a minute and just actually be there. And I just want to read this as we just transition. It says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. So not just the crucifixion, (laughs) but all the way to the resurrection. 
It says, this is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed this tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God and Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really all are will also be revealed. For you are now one with him in his glory. So that's a little meditation project you can take home. Tim... Yay. <laughs> I'm just going to have to sit, so I'm going to sit. <sighs> you guys just take a deep breath. Ooh. I know uh, I, my hair's already been so blown back, I had to put it up. So uh, just continue to astound us with you and Jesus. Thank you. All right. Who's ready for a big, deep drink of the gospel? Yeah? Well, just, just put your hand on your neighbor right now. Just actually perhaps lightly hold their earlobe and just begin to, just begin to softly, you know, release, just begin to softly release the goodness of Jesus right now. Lord, we just thank you. You turn my phone track on for me. Lord, we just thank you right now for that weight of ecstatic glory. We thank you, Lord, uh, that you purchased you purchased everything for us. Wow. Lord, we just thank you for experiential downloads tonight. Thank you, Lord. Hey, that there is no separation from you, Lord. That there is no separation tonight. That in the veil, the veil of Jesus Christ of his body was torn in two. And the temple veil was torn in two. All of heaven invaded earth and all of earth invaded heaven in Jesus Christ. Lord, we just thank you for releasing dreams and visions tonight. Father, I ask you that uh, body parts would be created in your presence, Lord. I just thank you for cranking up the voltage of ecstatic bliss. Lord, I pray that we would experience a realm of joy that we feel almost embarrassed about, but not quite, Lord. I thank you, Father. All it took was three nails to get us hammered forever. The death of Christ plugged us in, Lord, forever into your heart, into that new wine flowing. We are plugged into the wine vine tonight, the source of bliss. We thank you. And we do give you praise and glory. Let me just, uh, let me just lay this as a foundation tonight. I'm going to prophesy this verse over you tonight from the Passion Bible. In Galatians 2.20 it says, my old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah. Who? Oh, and no longer lives for the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave 
himself for me and dispenses his life into mine, into us. Wow. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight, Lord. Oh, that we are your physical body. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Woo. Just look in somebody's face right now and smile and just behold Jesus. Just behold Jesus right now in somebody's face. Go ahead. Look right into the face of Jesus and smile. And then just say, hello, Jesus. Can I, can I unplug this, Tiffany? Look into someone else's face and just say, hey, Jesus. I mean, we know, we say that we're the body of Christ, but we really are the body of Christ. Amen? All right. We are the physical body of Christ. First Corinthians 6.17 says that, oh, whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. Isn't that amazing? It's kind of trippy. <laughs> it's a lot closer than I thought. Oh. <laughs> it, thank you, Lord. Well, well, I love you guys. So my name's Tim Wright, and woo, it's a dream come true to be here. Um, I'd like to hug every one of you, if I could. Is this uncomfortable how close I am right now? I do like to hug people. Shalice was right. I, I do, I do resemble that remark, I think, from Papa's big bear hug. I just like hugging people. I feel that a hug expresses more than words can say alone, but, um, my name's Tim Wright. Uh, I'm learning how to be a real boy. It's true. I'm learning how to be a beloved child. I have been a Christian perfectionist performer my whole life. Um, so I'm learning how to be loved by Jesus. Mm. Learning how to be real. I mean, I am real, but you know, just like what Shalice was saying, I'm learning how to just be a child and to live inside the grace of one day. I had a very powerful experience with Jesus on Shalice's front porch this morning. And I was hoping that I could share with you what Jesus spoke to me. Would that be all right? So Jesus spoke this to me for me. And then I really feel like when he was done, he said, now I want you to prophesy it over everybody. So how many know that a prophetic word for somebody can be received for anyone else that wants it? Amen. Woo. Right. Aren't you glad that there's power in the spoken living word of God? Yay! How many know that one instant in a realm of prophetic utterance can change your life forever? Hallelujah. Just one moment of being in the presence and that manifest presence and hearing the heart of Jesus for you can just transform everything in one moment. So I want to, I want to read to you what, what I felt the Lord speak to me. And so, just receive it for yourself. But this is what Jesus said to me. And I, and I believe, Shalice, that me being here is a fulfillment of what the Lord's called you to. And uh, it's a manifestation of where the Lord's taken you. I want to prophesy over you. And um, I just see the, Lord, the Lord's foot being pushed down on the gas pedal. Just reach your hands towards Shalice right now. 
and I just see the color red and a fast, fast Corvette or something just speeding. So I see, hey, exponential increase and increase of speed. And just, um, I just see you breaking all kinds of speed limits, limits, limits. The Lord says that I'm taking off limitations. I'm taking off what man has tried to limit. Hey, and I'm taking what the man, what man said you could go at a speed and I'm going to begin to transform it into Holy Spirit speed, which is exponential. It's just the speed of light. There it is. The speed of light, the speed of light. Your words go forth in the speed of light. And so the Lord just says, thank you for opening, opening and trusting in ways that stretched you. Hey, and I'm pouring in, I'm pouring in, and it's going to look differently. Oh, but I will transform, the Lord says, I will transform what I've done in, in hiddenness and in secret within you, and I'm building something. I'm building my house, my house. Hey, and just like Jesus said, tear this temple down and I'll rebuild it in three days. I just see exponential increase on the rebuilding of the Lord's house. Hey, in this place, and he's putting together living stones into a living temple of the Lord in this place. He says, thank you. Thank you for letting me into my house so that I could put my house in and through you. In the mighty name of Jesus, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. But there I am sitting on Chalice's porch and I just began just weeping because Jesus was just talking to me in such a beautiful way. And I start writing. You know how you write? Like, do you ever write what the Lord's saying to you as Him? And as you're writing it, you know, the Lord's talking to you. And you're like, am I allowed to do this? I thought this was only for people that wrote Scripture. Do I need to put this, saith the Lord, after this? So here's what Jesus said. You guys ready to receive this? Jesus said, you're gifting does not negate the necessity of relationship. Your heart will always long for trust in relationship with me. Your gifting can never replace that. You tried to perform your way into relationship with your gifting. But that's not how relationship works. Relationship is all about gifts. Freely given. Received like a child. Never forget that the gifting I have given you is both your career and a gateway that opens up your heart. Oh, and others to be able to receive my love. But your gifting can never earn my love. I give that to you because I love you. Not for anything that I have given you or any expectation that I have of you because of what I've gifted you with. I love you because you have always been the object of my relentless affection. Your sadness and anxiety come from believing that my love for you is dependent on your performance with the gifting that I've given you. But my love for you is only dependent upon myself and I change not. Woohoo! <laughs> the gifting I've given you is the gateway to a life of service to others that is more fun and adventurous than anything you've ever imagined. We like to call ministry fun. But as long as you believe that your performance with the gifting I've given you determines my love for you, flowing in your gifting will be a heavy burden for you. 
and there will be no fun in it at all. I would like to invite you to become like my little child again. To give yourself the permission to be loved by me without any conditions or expectations. Because that's the only reality that there is for you, my beloved. A reality where my love for you can never be jeopardized. Somebody say, woo! I'm going to read that again. A reality where my love for you can never be jeopardized. A reality where I have never been disappointed with you because I've never had any unrealistic expectations of you. (sighs) And out of being radically loved by me, without any conditions or expectations, your gifting will flow effortlessly out to the world in surprising ways that are far beyond your ability to control or manipulate. You'll both be released from your burden and released into your calling with me. Congratulations, you're ready to party. (laughs) Woo! Yeah! Yeah. Ah, thank you, Lord. Ah, I want to talk a little bit tonight about the faith of Christ and some of the things that Jesus said on the cross and how this pertains to finding us in our darkness, in our despair, in our brokenness. Because in 2017, when I turned 33, which is ironic because it's exactly when Shalice had her sort of divine crisis when she turned 33, um, it really was like the year of my crucifixion. And... Uh, a lot of you probably don't know me or, you know, much about me. I don't want to go into too much, but, um, but the Lord just began to remove everything I had identified myself with and pretty much take me into what felt like the wilderness. You know, the, the wilderness is a place where you go by yourself with the Lord and uh, through a process, I stepped out of leading worship at the church I had been leading worship at with my father-in-law. Um, John Crowder took his sabbatical. That, that was just awful for me. But he took his sabbatical, which opened up this space for Jesus to begin to dismantle a lot of my performance and my my hiding in my own pain. And I just pretty much felt like I hit rock bottom. And Jesus began to... felt like He just ripped my guts out. Anyone else go through that? (laughs) I feel like it's probably a corporate thing that's going... But but I'm excited that, that we're giving permission for vulnerability in the body of Christ. That's why I said, I know the world has seen a powerful church, but I'm excited for the world to see a weak church. Because it says that in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. 
I've never felt more vulnerable and more raw and uncomfortable in my life. But I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit is our comforter because I figure that Holy Spirit is our comforter because Holy Spirit's going to take us into some incredibly uncomfortable situations. <laughs> like relationships. Right? I mean, that's what the Lord was saying, you know. I can't, I know how to perform for acceptance and I've done it my whole life. My parents divorced when I was four and my dad was, my dad had like a side where he was Mr. Rogers and it was beautiful, but he, it's true. He's a mailman and we have a great relationship today. It's, it's a really a miracle. And he's one of the most encouraging kind people that I've ever met. And he's the little blue man we call him that walks, you know, and delivers the mail and he just smiles and truly is one of the, the kindest men that I've ever known. But he was also very, very broken. And that part of him being a dad when I was little, it just, I received a lot of his rage and it was beat into me through pretty severe punishment. And it was coupled with sexual abuse that I went through as a child. And that created this, that created this place in me that, that just sort of married violence and punishment with shame, with sex, sexual shame and brokenness. And I, I learned how to sort of become you know, you, you learn how to pick up on people's expectations because you live by other people's approval. And you have to have their approval because you don't know who you are and you don't know that you're loved. <laughs> and so, but even when they give you the praise that you're hoping you can get from them, you don't believe it because you know the truth about what you're going through on the inside. And I learned something that vulnerability really manifests insecurity <laughs> in other people as well. If you be vulnerable, other people aren't going to like it. Because it's really a call for us to a realm of realness that we're afraid of. I have never felt more like, I just very uncomfortable. <laughs> and that's also mixed with feeling like a real healthy human being in ways for the first time in my life. So congratulations to me. I started working with a counselor, you know, really working through like theophostic stuff and it's great. And, but you know, I, I remember one day I, I, I just kept thinking if I could get the gospel enough, if I could memorize Galatians 2.20 enough, or if I could memorize Romans 6.6 6 enough, if I could get this in my head about the gospel that it would just take my pain away, you know? And, and it never did. And, and one day I came home from my, where I was working at the call center and I just decided I was going to be really honest and angry with the Lord and tell him how angry I was that he wasn't fixing me because the pain wasn't going away, you know? And, uh, so I just said, I just told the Lord, I cussed, I cussed the Lord out. I, I yelled the F word at the Lord. I'm sorry if that offends you. I won't yell it here, but I did. I cursed it. I, but I needed to let him know how upset I was. So it was just me and the Lord in the car. So I didn't, I didn't offend anybody else in the car. But now all of you guys know that I did that. And I can feel how disappointed you are with me. So I'm, I'm sorry, but no, but I was like, I was, this is what, this is what I said. I said, I said, Jesus, you know, cause I would go on these trips, like with Crowder stuff and hear the gospel and, you know, I'm, I'm leading to worship and I'm writing these songs and stuff. And, and, 
we would just experience this like that heavy intoxicating drunken glory it was amazing but i would come home and face the same frustrations and the same agitations and the same pain and i just kept thinking there was going to be an event that would take it away i just kept thinking there would be one service or an event or some sort of impartation that would bam just take away my pain away and he, and 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 it, you know after 5 years of doing that it didn't go away and i was like well i'm pissed and so I'm going to tell you, Lord, I, I just said, Lord, why don't you effing fix me? Why don't you heal me? Why don't you give me a red or blue pill or something? Or, I, you know, what's, what's the disconnect here? Do something for me, right? I, I've, been, I've been memorizing these dang scriptures for years. It is funny now. It is funny now. You have full permission to laugh and cry if you feel like crying. And I, and so, and this is what the Lord said. He said, he said, son, I love the process of relationship with you that it takes to bring you to the realization of your wholeness in me. Can I say that again? Lift your hands right now. I'm just going to release it over you. He said to every one of you, I love the process of relationship with you that it takes to bring you to the realization of your wholeness. Yeah. So he was not telling me that I was not whole. That was a big deal. He wasn't telling me that I wasn't whole because I had the right gospel answer that I knew I was whole in Christ. I knew that I had wholeness in Christ. He was telling me that I was whole, but he was telling me that there was a process of relationship with him that he loved that would bring me to the realization of that. And see, I, I was all about performance and events, and he's all about the process of relationship. So we become through relationship with the Lord and with one another, we become in our experience and in our knowing what we already are in Jesus. Woohoo! Right? The gospel announcement is that we are a new creation in Christ. But this is what this rapid rem- re- remind, rapid remind re- renewal is all about. But look, I, I, you know, I hated the mess and I hated what I felt like was the, the, the mess. I hated the mess because I didn't like it and I don't want anyone else to see the mess. I don't want to let anyone, other human being into my mess. And when you're sexually abused as a child and then you begin to, as a child, form other circumstances of sexual abuse with other kids and you don't even know what you're doing and your boundaries have been so smashed and the inside of you as a person has without boundaries and you learn through those things that basically you're not a person who is worth having boundaries and you find other people that don't have boundaries and that's how destructive things happen and then on top of having no boundaries and not knowing my worth my intrinsic worth not knowing that I was a good boy on top of that I had an angry dad who used violence and physical punishment because of the sexual things that I had done and that infused inside of me this this you know core belief that I was a bad boy and uh, I'm so glad Jesus is unraveling that aren't you glad that Jesus is a healer and and he's showing me that I'm a good boy the truth about me is that I and the good creation. You know, and that for me, that's why I can't stomach the, the, the theory that, 
you know, God is punishing Jesus so that He can look at me. I don't need a God who needs a blood of Jesus blindfold to look at me. I need a God who sees me in my brokenness and says, I love you in your mess. And I want to participate with you in your mess because I want relationship with you right where you are inside of your mess. And we can work together and walk into wholeness together. If all Jesus is and all the cross was was a blood of Jesus blindfold so that he doesn't really see me, then it's like the gospel isn't even really good news at all. It's like a cover-up. That's why the song says, I don't want a band-aid for an ancient disease. I want the full strength of Calvary. He does not just cover up sin. He eradicates sinfulness itself from within us. Come on, hallelujah. He did not just cover up sin inside of us. He fully eradicated sin out of us entirely. We've got this monster God that we think is there that, you know, the God's punishing Jesus. That's what I grew up with. And I used to hear Jesus say on the cross things like, you know, Father, Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I used to think, thank God he asked for forgiveness because, you know, if, if he wouldn't have, the father probably would, wouldn't have been forgiving. Then I realized that Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the father. That means that Jesus was not convincing the father to forgive you at the cross. Jesus was the manifestation of the father's eternal forgiveness that he's always had in his heart for you. At the cross, Jesus is not changing God's mind for you. At the cross, Jesus is changing our mind about God. He has become our own sick, Adamic, twisted mind, and he's taking it into himself, and he's putting it to an end. So that we are transformed. He's changed us. Come on, shout hallelujah. He's changed us. He's changed our mind. He did it from the inside. He's changed how we, Jesus is our living metanoia. He is our living transformation of our minds about God for us and as us. And some of the, I want to, I want to just mention about when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, many, many people have sort of used that verse to sort of make a theory that, you know, God forsook Jesus at the cross. By show of hands, have you ever heard that? Have you ever been familiar with that? It's, it's pretty, it's, you know, it's, it's something that we all hear and all grow up with in evangelical Western Christianity. But, uh, that's not what was going on. Can I talk about this? Is that alright? That's not what's, that's not what was going on at all. I'm so glad Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where God was at the cross. Where was God? Was he off in the infinite distance with a disapproving heart, not able to look on Jesus because he had become sin? If that's what God's like, then Jesus wasn't like God at all because he ate with sinners all the time, right? That whole verse that God is too what? Too holy to look upon sin. But the prophet doesn't just say that. There's another part of the verse. It says, God, you're too holy to look upon sin, so why are you doing it? The prophet's kind of baffled at, God, why are you, you're too holy for this. Why are you looking at sin? And then Jesus shows up and he's hanging out with sinners. He's, he's eating with tax collectors. He's doing all this stuff. He's hanging out with all the wrong people. And he said, if you see me, you've seen the father. So is God turning his face away from Jesus? No, Jesus is starting the Psalm 22 song. 
And he is crying our question for us and as us. Because that's always been my question. God, where are you? You weren't there for me. God, it feels like you're a million miles away from me. And unless you've been to that depth of despair, you don't know. You can't even know what that feels like. But I went there in 2017. And I had a good theology, but it felt like God was a million miles away from me. And I'm so glad that the story doesn't end with him saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so he's starting the Psalm 22 song. Just like if I were to sing, you know, American Pie. And they were singing by, by Miss American Pie. You know, you, you, you know that levy, but the levy was dry. Them good old boys are drinking whiskey and rye, singing, this will be the day that I die. Just put your hand on your neighbor's head right now and give him some whiskey and rye and the Holy Ghost. Oh. Uh, lest we get too serious in this room, go ahead. Give somebody a Holy Ghost injection of some joy right now. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> but Jesus was starting a song. Jesus was starting Psalm 22. Every good Hebrew ear that would have been listening would have known the song. And the song starts out with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you've got to continue reading the psalm to know what the rest of the song says. If you continue to read the song, it says, They've pierced my hands and my feet. They've plucked out my beard. The strong bulls of Bashan have surrounded me. You know, I'm but a worm. I'm dying. And it's this, it's explaining what is going on. They're looking at Jesus. His hands are pierced. His hands, uh, feet are pierced. You know, they've plucked out his beard. They're gambling for his clothing. It's like, oh, I think we're watching something unfold here. And so if you, and you continue to read the Psalm and when it gets to, I think it's verse 17 or 18, this David prophetically answers this question. That Jesus is crying when, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you read those verses there, it says, God, you have not despised the affliction of the afflicted, nor have you hidden your face from me. But when I cried, you heard. Hallelujah. How many are glad that he does not hide his face from us? He may hide his face for us for a season, but he is always there and he has never turned his face away. Hallelujah. Jesus is crying our cry. He's entering into the pit of my despair. Jesus, Second Corinthians 5 says, uh, in 21 it says that He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we would become the righteousness of God. Who is the righteousness of God? Who is, who is the righteousness of God, right? Jesus? Okay, that we would become the righteousness of God? Woo. All right. Okay, I'm just going to let that percolate. But I heard Jesus say, you know, I, I became everything that, he became everything that I am so that I can be everything that I am. Capital letters. He became everything that I am to make me everything that I. Capital A. Capital M. He fully becomes everything that I am because He's my Savior. 
He becomes everything that we are in our blindness, in our darkness, in our despair. He enters in. That's what He's doing at the cross. And then He enters into our pain. He's entering into Adam's cry and He cries out. And then he, the greatest statement of faith that has ever been uttered, uttered from any human lips, Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. Father, I can't sense You. I can't see You. I can't feel You. But... I give you all that I am. I'm so glad that the cross was not the moment where sin separated the Father from the Son. I'm so glad that the cross was the moment where the Father and the Son separated sin from us. Come on, somebody. Come on. Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. That's what was going on. Sin itself could not break the relationship of trust that the Son had in the Father in the Spirit. Sin itself could not break. And that's what He's doing for us in that moment. That's why Hebrews 12 says that looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. Can I prophesy over you tonight? You were not born to deal with shame. You were not born to put up with shame. You were born to despise shame. Hallelujah. But we get our enemies mixed up, don't we? We think people are our enemies when people are not our enemies. It says that we war not against flesh and blood. And Jesus said, love your enemies. Our real enemy that we are to hate is shame. You know, shame turns observations into value statements. <clears throat> like if I'm doing laundry and my wife says, oh, you mess, why did you have to do the laundry that way? <clears throat> shame will turn that into, you're a no good husband and you can't do anything right. You know what I'm saying? It happens in marriages all the time. But, but shame on the inside, that voice, unless you learn to like, it, it, it you know, point that thing out and, and radically just, get rid of that thing and realize that's not the voice of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Shame is not the voice of the Spirit of God. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. And anyone, for because fear has to do with the tormenting thought of punishment. If anyone still fears, they have not been made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. There is no fear in this love. And guess whose image you're made in? You're made in the image of a God who is love. The truth about you is, you are patient. You are kind. Come on, lift your hands right now. You are patient. You are kind. You are forgiving. You're full of love. You are long-suffering. That's the truth about you. You love unconditionally. The truth about you is that you are love and you are good. If it's true about Jesus, it's true about you. Shout, yeah. You know, I got in the most amount of trouble that I ever did for a post that I made on Facebook where I just simply said that the truth about you is that you're good. And that got me into some trouble. I had some long time, right? Go figure. I mean, I don't know. But it's so deep in us that we got this mentality that we're just wretched sinners and, and we're depraved and we're separated from God and all this stuff. But I began to realize that if I'm made in the image of God and I've been recreated in Christ, and if it's true about Jesus, you know, as he is, so are 
we in this world, then okay, Jesus is good. He's a good boy, right? So does that mean that I'm good too? Does that mean the deepest truth about me is that I'm good? And look, that's the breakthrough moment right there. I, I'll tell you what, my struggle with pornography dissolved into nothingness when I began to see that the truth about me on the inside was that I was filled with goodness, that I don't have to try not to do that, but the truth about me is that I have the nature of God and I love by nature. I don't need that. It never worked for me when I tried not to do it. The thing that just blew the stronghold up was the revelation that God is good. And that means that I am good too. And because I'm good, I don't do those things. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands right now. I'm just going to prophesy right now. Strongholds broken in the revelation that you are good. The truth about you is that you are a good son. You are a good daughter. God is good and so are you. And it's not your fault. You didn't even earn it. You didn't work for this. This is a free gift that's been given to you in the person of Jesus. It says we have been recreated in Christ. We are his poetry. We've been recreated in Christ for good works that the Father has destined for us before the foundation of the world. The truth about you is that you are good. Woo! Oh, that feels good, right? The truth about me is that I'm good. Ha ha! Ha ha! I like hearing that. That sounds good. So I got in the most amount of trouble and I had a long time family that was supporting me and they just, they honestly felt that by me saying that it was, it was really communicating that Jesus wasn't necessary. That like, you know, you're, you're basically saying you can be good on your own. And I said, I totally understand the, the concern because I mean, the, the sole focus is of course on exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm, I'm not saying that we're good apart from God. I'm saying that we're not apart from God in Christ. I, I'm saying that's the truth about us. Okay, I, I know we were apart from God, and, and their concern was you just can't tell people that they're good. Okay, I understood that. You can't tell people that they're good apart from God. I said, amen, sister. I completely agree. But I'm not telling people that they're good apart from God. I'm telling them they're connected to God in Christ, and the truth about them is that they're good in Christ. And it's true, so just go ahead and believe it. Amen? That's the truth. We're not apart from God. That's what Shalise was saying about the independent self. But anyway, it, I, we just couldn't make the, the connect. And I honestly did not want to lose that support because I love that family. But you know what? Losing that support was more value to me in knowing the truth that God was showing me, that the truth about us is that we're good. That was more value to me in losing their support than all the money they had sent me over those years. And I said thank you to them. And this is where I, I knew our conversation could go no further. I asked her, I said, I said, my dear sister, when you had your first child and they gave that baby and put that baby into your arms after you delivered that child, I said, did you feel that that child was good? And she said, I knew that child was not good. And that's heavy, but look, that, this is what religion teaches us. It's how we view our children. It's how we view ourself. You know, one of the most amazing things about this healing journey for me is feeling the presence of inherent value inside of me for the first time. Come on. Come on. 
Jesus didn't die to make me valuable. He died because I have always been valuable to God. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like this. A man finds a treasure buried in a field. And when he finds that treasure, he goes off and sells everything that he has to buy the field. Can you please tell me only a fool would buy a worthless treasure? Am I right? Hallelujah. You are not made valuable by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the eternal declaration that you were always worth the very blood of God himself. Hallelujah. I'm talking about inherent value. I'm talking about self-worth and realizing who we are. And the truth of our being is that you are good. And until we get this straight, it won't matter how much behavior modification programs we have, it's not going to fix the problem on the inside because we're still believing a lie about ourselves. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden, the lie from the serpent was what? God does not want you to eat of that tree because he knows that when you eat of that tree, that you will be like him. But what was the truth about Adam and Eve? They were already like God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Come on, give them a shout of praise. I mean, religion dangles this, this carrot out in front of you that if you can just do one more thing, if you can accomplish one more thing, our activity somehow can affect an internal change. But it begins with the revelation that the truth of your identity is that you are good because you belong to him and you belong in him and you're connected to him and we're not separated from him we are one with the one who is eternal goodness and there's no separation that's good preaching tim right thank you thank you thank you so jesus is finishing our faith and he cries out on the cross father into your hands i commit my spirit he's crying out from the cross and he's finishing my faith he's entering into the place of my darkness and he believes in god for me where i could never believe in god he goes and where adam ran and hid from god in the garden the son of god naked and unashamed runs to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and allows himself to be crucified naked and open, hanging there. And he reveals that in that posture of total abandonment and trust, that sin itself cannot break the trust of the Son of God in his Father. And that is the very same trust. Come on, lift your hands right now. That's the same trust that the Holy Ghost is weaving into your souls tonight. That's why it says that it is not by my faith, but faith is a gift. We are saved by faith. It is the gift of God, not of yourselves. It says you've been crucified with Christ it's no longer you who live but it's Christ who lives in you in the life that you now live in the flesh you live by the faith of the son of God who loved you and gave himself for you come on shout hallelujah He's finishing your faith. He finished my faith. That's why that says the author and the finisher of my faith. When he hangs his head and says, it is finished, what is he finishing? He's finishing the blind Adamic rebellion of a human race that could never see God or obey God because they could never believe because of a broken heart. So he enters into us, into our humanity, and he takes Adam's broken, blind humanity, and he takes it all the way to the cross cross and he puts it to death he puts it to death for us and as us oh inside of you is jesus christ the true believer who is currently at this moment believing and receiving his father's affection for you and as you ha 
Ooh. <laughs> oh. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Perfect faith. Perfect trust. Perfect trust. That's what Jesus is. That's when he finished for me. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that he came and he, en- that's why he's my savior. He entered into my darkness because he wanted to save me. Athanasius says the unassumed is the unredeemed. He had to become everything that I was so that I could be made into everything that he is. He is not crying out to a reluctant, angry God who does not want to save you. He is revealing what God has always been like. And I want to just quickly touch on the worth, the inherent value. When it says, Paul tells us that we've been given the message of reconciliation. Okay, It's a Greek word called katalasso. And that word means a mutual exchange of equal value. Okay? He's talking about the cross. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we would become the righteousness of God. That word reconciliation, katalasso in the Greek, means a mutual exchange of equal value. And the word righteousness in, I believe it's Hebrew, is the word sadak, which means the wooden beam and a balance scale. When we look at the cross, we're seeing heaven's cosmic balance scale, the wooden beam that weighs. What is a balance scale? Do it weighs, right? Well, when God and man in Christ hung on that tree, it was a mutual exchange of equal value. That means that when God wanted to express your inherent worth. There was only one thing in the known cosmos that could accurately convey your inherent worth. And that was himself. A mutual exchange of equal value. God looks at you and says, my beloved, there's only one thing that could express to you what you're worth. And that's my life. And that's the message of reconciliation. Mm. I'm here to declare to you tonight that underneath your doubts and your fears, there is a resident core of inherent value, which is the person of Jesus. The truth about you tonight is that you are good. You're a good creation. And nothing done to you can compare to what is true about you. Nothing that you've been through can compare to what's about to come through you. Nothing you've suffered through can diminish the truth about you, which is that you are in Him and He is in you. Let's stand tonight and give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. Let's give Jesus a shout. One, two, three. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hey! We give you praise, Lord. We give you glory. You've done it, Lord. You've won our victory, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.